What the footy? What the footy? What the footy? What the footy? Hi there, it's Paul, and you're listening to What the Footy, the podcast that takes football fans behind the scenes. Here is what I have lined up for you today. Obviously, I had dreams of, of being a footballer like a lot of kids. Yeah. You weren't thinking, oh, I can't wait to become a footballer and do the media 10-minute <laughs> access piece with whatever brand it is. Big up and big love to everyone who's been listening, downloading, subscribing, sharing and leaving a review for the latest episode that was out with Tony. Remember that the pods are out every fortnight and coming up this week i've got a fascinating pod for you i sat down with christian hurley strategy director at um the sports publisher that bridges the gap between youtubers like harry panero and chunks and footballers like jack Grealish and mason mount christian and i spoke about many amazing different topics from from the new rules that FIFA are trialling with shorter halves and in kick-ins rather than throw-ins to whether football has a Gen Z problem. We've seen different stakeholders in the game like Florentino Perez speak about shorter attention spans. Is this a myth? Is this true? Christian and I go into this sort of stuff. We speak about how YouTubers and footballers are linking up in this exciting space that we're currently seeing now. We spoke about Ben Foster going into YouTube. We spoke about Gary Neville creating his channel as well. We spoke about so many interesting things from, from branding to fans to audiences. Oh, guys, I hope you love this podcast. Not like it. I hope you love it. So you know what to do. Download, subscribe, rate and review and tell a friend to tell a friend. Let's go. Knew Sam Allardyce liked me, but I didn't know it was to that extent. Imagine being a kid in primary school. Now it's important. Powerful people and I think they need to recognise that. But then also... They need to be represented the right way. Sport in general is nothing without fans. Uh, based on you know, one single source of revenue alone, that being the TV. So winning the league, let's just win this to appease the fan. Yes, Christian, how you doing today, man? You good? All good, mate. How are you? Nah, good, thank you. Great to uh, great to have you on the podcast today, man. And the man behind um the YouTube sensation. And um, I yeah. think I think the thing I, lo- I love about yourself as well is that you actually have an anthropology background as well. So good to sort of see how that marries in with football and football fans and just sort of people and audiences in general, man, really. But we'd like to start the show off with uh, this question, which is what is football to you, a business or a sport and why? Yeah, I, w- I had a f- listen to a couple of the pods you'd done yeah. and... Um, and that question and was like, oh, can I come up with an interesting answer that isn't both? But it, it is, isn't it? It's just, it is both. I think over the last few months, obviously, with the Super League and, and the reactions to that, there's clearly like a big, a big driver of it is business. And to me as well, working in it at the moment, it's a business. I get paid. So as an example, I got, got quite frustrated last week when we found out that um, certain players didn't want to uh, be involved in a, in a shoot that we were doing uh, personally, just because I want the shoot to go ahead. I want it to do well. And then I'm like ranting to my girlfriend, like, this is why they get paid. This is like the sponsorship is part of it. This is like part of the, the value they bring. And then you have to bring yourself back down to earth and remember that when we were growing up, um, 
I obviously had dreams of, of being a footballer like a lot of kids. Yeah. You weren't thinking, oh, I can't wait to become a footballer and do the media 10-minute <laughs> access piece with whatever brand it is. So I think it's both. It just depends what side you sit on. Certainly when I was, when I was younger, I wasn't thinking about, about it. Um, and now I do think about it, but I'm almost on that business side. So I have to be conscious to go, oh, it's all... It's all a business. It's all gone to to shit because ultimately I'm part of that. One of the people that benefits from it. But um, yeah, so hopefully that answers your question, mate. Bit of both, isn't it? No, that's 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 a great sort of comprehensive comprehensive answer. Sorry, but um, one thing I wanted just to start off and just sort of sort of uh, sort of quiz you on is obviously yes. like with um and what you guys do is sort of bridging that gap between footballers and content creators and you're, mm-hmm. you're aiming it towards sort of the, the, the sort of the Gen Z community. Do, do you buy this whole idea that, that Gen Z are losing interest within football? I know Florentino Perez was sort of quoting a lot of that and, and we're seeing FIFA put, put forward these new proposals of uh, kick-ins rather than throw-ins, potentially 30-minute halves and all these different sort of new proposals to kind of get Gen Z kind of interested again in football. Like, yeah. do, do you buy into all of this sort of sort of commentary from, from people within the game or...? Yeah. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? I think the... I get very sceptical about the idea of, like, watch times and dwindling attention spans. I'm sure there's something in it, but there's there's plenty of content out there that young people consume that's very lot that's very long form in fact on our channel if we can get like a a 20 minute video that's better for us better for the algorithm and we see the the young people that watch it are able to to pay attention so i'm not sure i'm not sure about that whole watch time needing to reduce the games and all that stuff there is a there's a lot of um data and, and evidence to suggest that that younger people are losing a little bit of interest in sport across across the board as a as a general rule. There's like a really good sort of media data company called Ampere Analysis in the UK, and I remember speaking to those guys a, a couple of years ago about younger audiences not only under-indexing and consuming sport because they don't have the packages, they don't have the access to it, but also under-indexing in their interest for it. And I was, I found that really interesting. And there's a lot more data and research coming out of the US that suggests that as well. I don't know if um, the pandemic's changed that because we've all been stuck indoors. And I know I've, my football consumption has certainly gone up a lot yeah. in the last year. It's been a bit of a godsend, hasn't it? Having the football on the telly and something to to follow and get along with. But the the other thing I'd say is like, Gen Z or Gen Z or whatever, it's a very broad term, isn't it? It's like it's a whole generation. And, and whilst there are often in sort of the work that I've done patterns and, and things that generations share in common, there's also people that belong to different sort of attitude, attitude types and people that share values across generations. So you'll still get those kids that fall under the Gen Z category that are more like your traditional 40-year-old football fan. And equally, you'll get 40-year-olds that maybe subscribe to the same attitudes that, that Gen Z have. So I think the evidence suggests that there are changes and that there's maybe a bit of an issue of getting that hardcore sports fan 
but it's probably more complicated than that. There's probably just a different way of of engaging with with football and, and sports content in general. And it'll probably all be blown out of the water because we've been stuck indoors and we're watching absolutely everything. Yeah, more than ever. So, yeah. You know, I think I think for me it's an interesting one because when you're a Gen Z and, and, and you're a young person, really, when you look at in terms of whether that's going to a game, buying a ticket, whether that's um, subscribing to, to Sky Sports or, or BT mm. Sport, really and truly, it's, it's the adults, it's your parents, it's your guardians that are really yeah. like buying all the kits, buying all these different merchandise. So it's, it's low-hanging fruit. So it's a thing whereby your, your interest can be sparked from an early position just by you going to a game and getting hooked. And, and I think you probably know what it's like going to, to your first game as a kid. And yeah. you almost begin that emotional journey of being a football fan. So I don't know whether I, I agree with these changes coming in. And, and, and I do, I, I do to, to an extent, agree that we need to keep people's interests up. And like you've even seen it with the Premier League highlights when the game's finished, they go straight onto YouTube. You can watch them quickly like some people don't even watch the games anymore they can just watch watch the two three minute highlights on youtube but do, do you think broadcasters should be worried about this sort of stats that are out there and, and, and i guess that's where really you guys come in with um with, with some of the stuff that you guys are doing yeah they probably should especially if some of the things that you read are true about like the the under indexing in the interest because like you, you said mate like it's if you're a teenager, you're probably not paying the Sky bill or in any position yeah. to pay a Sky, yeah. a Sky subscription. So, yeah. so that that obviously will change as you get older. But it's whether or not the whole package is of interest or other things compete, or whether there is actually a bit of a switching off from sport in that in that way. And I think you can see that the likes of Sky are paying attention because of yeah. exactly what you said, mate. The the speed at which they turn around the highlights, the the willingness now to put those Monday night football clips on like Carragher and Neville having a debate about where Man United are going to finish and, yeah. and all that stuff. That's up on the internet now. Like normally you'd be, yeah. you'd be like the elite paying subscriber, wouldn't you, to see that and you'd be special. Whereas now just wait even like 20 minutes into that live show and they're already putting stuff yeah. out there. Sorry. And, and, and they're also clip baiting it as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Well, you have to, don't you, if you're going to yeah. work on YouTube, it's um Yeah the thumbnail and the title is so, so important. But I think, yeah, so I think they're definitely paying attention and they should. And then you see the stuff that, that Sky are doing as well with the Saturday Social yeah. for the last few years and the way in which they're bringing creators in. They're, they're trying as much as possible to make themselves relevant and, and not switch off because, yeah, there's, there's a new generation of personality that, that younger people are following that younger people are interested in and want to know what they've got to say and I think Sky a really good example of a company paying attention as much as they can because they're a big organization there's lots of red tape that they've got a sort of cross to get content out there they can't be as outrageous or arguably authentic as content creators can be on their own platforms but they definitely recognize it and that's why they they try and get the people involved and I think it is important otherwise yeah, you'd wake up at one point and go, oh, well, don't really have any young fans because they're not as interested in what these ex-pros say. Yeah. But it's a hard one for them because they're big. Those companies are big. They're sl- they can be slow because of the amount of people and the amount of process involved and it's quite difficult for them to, to react with the click of the finger. But it looks like they do pretty well to me and 
sure. banging the views, like you said, with clickbaiting up <laughs> little debates yeah. and arguments on, on Sky, they'll position themselves right at the heart of all the conversations, even if you're not actually watching it on the, on the telly. Yeah, because I was going to say that it, it almost took them quite a while for them to sort of buy into this whole creator space and, and working yeah. with creators and, and even clubs themselves. Like even, like, like I'm, an, I'm an Arsenal fan and obviously Robbie's been doing AFTV since sort of 2011, 2012 now. And, um, and, and, and even just looking at, um, looking at Arsenal in terms of like from a content perspective, like they should be buying into, into what Robbie's sort of building there. Because if I look at, Ask from a content perspective, AFTV is the sort of content outlet and voice of our football club. It's not the official yeah. podcast or medium or, or whatever sort of platform the club is using to kind of get get non-football based content out there, really. So it almost falls as though clubs have they're, they're sort of lagging behind and maybe the pandemic kind of accelerated their need to kind of push this stuff out there. Like clubs like Leeds have started to do a podcast, but it's just a little bit too slow, really, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's hard. It's harder for them, isn't it? Because yeah. it's professionalised, and you've got responsibilities, and you've got values that you've got to uphold, and and things like AFTV can be so wild and out there, and yeah. make mistake and make mistakes, and then if they've got enough of a fan base and a following, probably be forgiven by the, yeah. the following week. Whereas if a club does that then that's someone's job on the line and that person yeah. might be in the, the media team for for Leeds. They don't necessarily want to push the boat out because they're just trying to do have their career, get their next promotion, not <laughs> cause a stir and, and get a reputation as someone that's not like trustworthy to work yeah. either at that club or, or anywhere else in the future. So it's a tough one for the clubs. It's a different driver. But I, I was wondering, mate, what? so as an Arsenal fan, what... How do you feel toward AFTV? Are you are you a, a fan of it? Or yeah, are you one of fans that doesn't want anything to do with it. No, I'm I'm a I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of it. Like I was lucky enough to to meet Robbie like back in the early days when he first sort of started mm-hmm. in sort of 2013, 14, 12 times, and uh, and just just seeing the trajectory of how he's been able to grow it, and it's 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 authentic. Obviously, there's different characters that that have been on there in the past and, and sort of come and gone and people have perceptions of those certain characters, but like every football fan is, is, is different. And he says that you're meant to, to speak or communicate. Like every, every football fan has their own frustrations with their club and, and how you choose to voice it is how you choose to voice it. Um, yeah. all, all, all Robbie's just doing is giving people a platform to speak. And uh, I never get why people criticize what he's doing and saying that, that he profits off of Arsenal losing. He's just giving people a platform to, to, to have their say, really. And every, every club, more or less, has kind of replicated it with their own sort of fan channels. So I yeah. think it's an important part. And, and, and even people who were critical of it back in the early days, like your Gary Neville's, they're all now on YouTube doing doing their clickbaity kind of content as well. Getting so all fan, Getting all the fan channels to turn up for the overlap. For the overlap. So yeah. it's, 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 funny how, it's funny how things change, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's a good point, mate. I think it's interesting to hear from your perspective because you meet a lot of Arsenal fans that are really against it and like that's not a representation of them as a, a supporter. But fan media was the... That was the first um, break I got to work in in football. Yeah. Before I was in like, Insight and sort of advertising and marketing and it was a fan media channel that... Or a fan media company 
who owned uh, Redmen TV, who oh, yeah, actually yeah. was the first ever fan channel that gave me my first job in in sort of football and social social media. And Arsenal Fan TV was obviously a big part big part of that. And when I got the job there, it was just around the point where Arsenal had actually asked them to le- like legally send them letters going, can you change your name to AFTV? Hector Bellerin had come out and said, they're not real fans because exactly yeah. what you said, they're profiting off off losses. And and my perception was like, there's, there's like I said about like young people and there being lots of different kinds of young people, there's lots of different yeah. kinds of football fans, right? Mm. And my background was like advertising and insight. Like I said, it was all about segmentation of like, who drinks this coffee? It's like this sort of person drinks this brand, this sort of person drinks this brand. That's what a lot of advertising is built on, like audience segmentation. And I think it's the same with, with football fans. And I definitely recognise from going to football matches, Arsenal fan TV representing certain fact certain fans in the stadium. So yeah. it's very real, isn't it? And it's very true of how a lot of football fans act and behave. So to say they're not real fans, it felt at the time a little bit detached from understanding what a, fa- yeah. what a fan is. Now, obviously, there's other fans that go there and are a bit more a bit more casual about it or fans that wouldn't want anything to do with the social media side of it, that are real diehard terrorist fans. There's lots of different fans there, but Arsenal yeah. Fan TV, to me, always represented a... Uh, proportion of football fans that I recognise and um, yeah I think the yeah the profiting off the losses is interesting because ultimately yeah. they do get more views when there was out when there was outrage yeah. but I just yeah I don't really believe that that they're rubbing their hands consciously every time I think they do want them to to win and they'd find a way for it to work if they were do if they were doing well as well as when when it's not gone so well, but um, yeah, it's just a weird one. That's that's some football fans just love it, don't they? Go down, moan about the team, and then come back next come back next week. But yeah. the other thing I was going to say about it, having worked on it, and the and the challenge was with brands, particularly big global brands. There's a lot more consciousness about like offensive content and. Yeah. And and fortunately, things like inclusivity and things like that. And that was a challenge when you were sort of talking about creating partnerships with brands with with channels like AFTV was the the brand safety as, as the buzzword was a couple of years ago. And and there is just a fact that those guys are rough and ready. They do say things that that piss people off. They do say things that do offend people and that might not make it appropriate for a football club or a brand or a broadcaster to always have an, an official alliance with them. But I don't know, people, people sort of learn as they go, don't they? And, and yeah. I, I believe that those little channels sometimes wouldn't even have a clue about something being offensive until suddenly the internet internet comes on them and says, "Hey, cancel culture." Yeah, and then hopefully, yeah, but then hopefully they learn from that. And and if it is genuinely something where they've hurt hurt someone or or potentially like damaged some people out there, then hopefully they just learn from that and go, "Okay, fair play, hold my hands up and move on." But brands, and I'm talking about brands a lot because that's the sort of the world I operate in. But yeah. um. They can't really afford to go let 
yeah. let's just see what these guys say and then we'll, <laughs> we'll move on because you're not a human being you're an organization and you can't you can't sort of move on and 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 be that more yeah yeah nimble and agile about it if you're an organization because you've got to have certain values that you definitely adhere to and are consistent to that but yeah so it was is a fascinating entry point into football media that whole world and i'd go into some agencies and brands when we were pitching things at arsenal fan tv and just show like some of the most outrageous bits to start with and just be like just so we're all on the same page here like this is what the content is and then talk about how how authentic it is how many eyeballs it is how engaged people are with that content and the kind of people that you'll reach and it'll be like my uncle, for example, uh, is a middle-aged academic, studies yeah. theology, lives in a little village in Kent now, and uh, he loves Arsenal fan TV. Yeah. So I think sometimes people, when, when brands and stuff are going, oh, well, we wouldn't want to be affiliated with that, and that's probably not the audience. They look and just assume that everyone that watches that is the same as all those people yeah. there. They are. They might be a customer anyway, so don't... <laughs> Don't like, turn your nose up at them, but also there's loads of other people watching it. For even my dad watches it as well. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean, mate. So it's funny, isn't it? So, it, but yeah, really, really fascinating entry point in. Um, and yeah, not really sure if I have an opinion anymore. You've had to when you have to sort of work out how to sell it or or be positive about it. You sort of forget what how you feel about it. And you're just like, right, this is the strengths and weaknesses, and and put it out there. What did you think was going on with the? the Super League stuff because it always strikes me that those match day going fans are so important to the yeah. the atmosphere and the and therefore the product and it was to me it was so obvious that that was gonna rile them and 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 leave, and leave them in a in a sticky situation feeling a bit isolated do you think the do you think that the owners of these clubs knew that that was going to be the reaction or do you think they underestimated how outraged people would really yeah. be? I think, I think they, they underestimated it because I feel like the thing about football is that I'm, I'm an Arsenal fan and like had obviously had frustrations with how we're performing and playing, but I still went and bought the season ticket. So like there's, you can continue to prod, they, you can continue to prod and prod and poke at, Terrace fans, legacy fans, whatever you want to call them, diehard fans, until a particular point. And that Super League was just that tipping point because it's clear that obviously a lot of these clubs want to to go direct, want to sell their own games on their own channels, like we saw teams do over pre-season. Because when, you, when you're Arsenal, for example, you have 110 million fans worldwide and you're charging a fiver to watch a game for, for a game pass, you're, you're making uh, an, an enormous amount of revenue. So it's it's just about clubs recognizing, and just I think it's all about the dialogue as well, and that's part of the reason why why I, I do this podcast and speak to people yeah. within the game because the dialogue between fans and, and people at clubs is just so important because that's when you miss the mark a bit like how yeah. Liverpool owners tried to charge their fans seventy quid for for tickets and they all just walked out and and yeah. and it all backfired really. It's really interesting, mate. I think the word you said earlier, balance. Yeah. It's so important, isn't it? It's like we want to bring other people into into this world. You want to make them feel part of the, the even those club 
communities and get them in, involved in the atmosphere and, and sort of slow and you could slowly like change and transform an atmosphere but still like have it at, at the heart but that, it's that balance isn't it between not leaving people behind or alienating people and and and, and making sure that you're evolving as well and growing out which isn't a, a bad thing at all but yeah I just I just found it fascinating because to me it was so obvious that 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 was a bad move but then on the other hand I can see it when you're too close to a project whether it's um or a brand that I might have worked for at an agency or something you can get so close and you're all bigging yourself up the whole time like our brand is the best we are amazing we're incredible and then you can easily go off and go well let's try and sell some merch because all our fans love us because you've all cheated each other up internally so much that you believe in the the value of you as a team and, and what you're you're doing rather than what people are providing you so i can see how it is on other projects that i've worked on so easy to get carried away a bit when you're in your little bubble yeah. internally looking at it it's quite hard to know what what other people think so i guess you can see why they why they got it wrong but it was yeah. from the outside it's just so obvious isn't it like these fans of the outraged fans have gone off and created alternative clubs as well with really positive effects with like afc wimbledon and, and what they've achieved and even even the alternative man united team FC United, uh, yeah, FC united yeah and and like you could see that happening on massive they'd really dug their dug their heels in but um bit of a shock to the system i guess but easy to do and yeah but yeah, man, it's now time to uh, to get to the favourite part of the show for me, which is what the foot are you lying for? So uh, take me away with your uh, your three statements, please, Christian. Okay, so st- statement number one is I read one business book a week just to keep my mind active and, and be the best strategist I can be. Yeah. Uh, statement number two is that I haven't had a social media account since 2011, despite working in social media for the last five years. I don't actually know how to use social media. Okay. And statement number three is that I used to work for a, a countess fighting the, the war on drugs as my, my first job. No social media, although you work in social media. Yeah, I don't know why I feel like that's true. I feel like a lot of people on social media don't really, don't, or, or they have a social media account, but it's just not really active enough. But then again, you have LinkedIn, so I guess LinkedIn counts as social media, so um, a bit of a technicality there. Um, I'd say the one business book a week, that's, that's, that's ambitious. That's 52 books a year. don't know how long they are. I don't know how quickly get through those books but I'll go with the the last one I should know because I should have really just I was on your LinkedIn page a couple of times but um, um, I'd say the, the last one's true mm-hmm. um, the middle one is a lie and the first one is true but we'll find out towards the end um, and, and we'll go from there. But I wanted to just sort of obviously quiz your brain because obviously I know that 
a big part of um is working with athletes, humanizing athletes, and obviously I know you have to put that relationship with Stella and getting some of their superstar players on there, like Jack Grealish. How how important was it for them and, and for you guys to really, really sort of work with athletes to really show show what happens behind the scenes within their lives and what they are, are actually like as people because I've always been a big believer that, that footballers are the new influencers and footballers are the people who people in society want to really, really hear from, whether that's to do with issues in society, like we see with Marcus Rashford or, or just sort of in terms of their opinions and speaking out um, against things, really. So um, yeah. I, I'd love to know um, just a little bit more about that. Then. Yeah, so when, when I was approached to like work on the project by after party studios who are the the sort of the production company and and one of the the part owners of of the project there there was like a really open brief it was like you got access to youtubers because after party studios was founded by one of the uk's biggest youtubers part of that sort of ksi sidemen chunks and philly sort of network network really strong relationships with those big prominent youtubers you've got access to to footballers through sports agencies like ICM Stella yeah. and it's got to be a bit of a top gear for sports style thing that was that was it and I was like wow that it, that sounds really fun what, what how should we do it what should we folk what should we focus on and for me like the data and the research around young people maybe losing interest in sort of football and sport in general was interest was an interesting one even if it's I don't know whether it's entirely it's true, true or not, yeah. but it's the interesting trailer thought. Um, I think certainly the evidence of the interest in, like you're saying, the athlete, the individual, and the person behind it, definitely growing. Um, and then I think on a personal level, as the person that was sort of leading the branding and the positioning part of it, alongside After Party and and partners like Stella, I've always just personally really empathised with the the under the underdog um, in foot in football in particular. So when Raheem Sterling was getting absolutely lambasted by the press for, you know, wanting to move on his career and progress and win titles at City, very clearly that's what he wanted to do. And he was getting just absolutely abused left, right, centre. I was like, I'm a Raheem Sterling fan. I was telling everyone in the office that I support Raheem Sterling. That is, that is the guy that I'm backing. I think he's a, excellent player and I don't think he's done anything wrong now I'm like a bit of a Jorginho fan because I think he's clearly doing something right he, infuri- he clearly infuriates so many football fans but now he's been nominated for one of the top awards in football he's had an incredible year so I've always been a person that's like what like go with the guy even Timo Werner I feel a little bit sorry for him I know he he is had a bit of um, an up and down time in front of goal but I always just feel sorry for these guys because they're just human beings at the end of the day and yeah and and therefore that's where it all came from. And I think practically to work with ICM Stella and now uh, agent agencies like Wasserman and Kin and Rock Nation, these guys want to know that the footballers are going to be presented in a good light. It's going to help them raise their their profiles and therefore help set them up in in other avenues of of their life. The footballers, it's going to they're going to have a good time. They're going to enjoy it and they're, they're going to come across well. So I think cynically from a business point of view, it's a good idea because it aligns with what brands want to do with 
in terms of positivity and their values and how they want to rep- represent themselves as, as companies through their content. It aligns with what sort of the agents and the commercial representatives of these players want in terms of raising the profile and the, the brand of their athletes. But actually just on, on a normal human being level, it's just really nice when you, yeah. you see a player just being themselves being relatable and remind it, reminding you that they're not actually that different from you apart from this ridiculous sporting athletic talent that they've yeah. got. But as people, they might watch the same shows as you or play the same video games or even now with the younger footballers in particular consume the same content and watch the same YouTubers and have sort of grown up with them as well. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that was sort of the... Yeah. Why, why we wanted to do it and from the agent's point of view yeah it's great for them isn't it and I think a lot of the the early stuff that we did and and in particular with Grealish and Mal I was going to say that yeah Dean Henderson going on the channel and like getting positive coverage across the press off the back of our interviews coming across really well and like actually having a nice time as well we were told yeah. That like Mason Mount, like, had a great time like filming with Harry Pinheiro and Ad- Adam and the and the content crew and and the content came out great. His family were really happy with it, and that's brilliant because that's all all you want really. So it's a it's a bit of a win win win, isn't it? You get to create some nice positive content, and it makes sense from a business point of view. It makes sense from the footballer's point of view. But um, yeah, I just I think it's awesome. Like even like you mentioned the Grealish one there and. Um, I think that's one of my favourite ones that you guys have done so far, just because just of the fact of, I feel like if anything, that's helped to really raise, raise his profile sort of pre, pre-Euros, pre because just sort of seeing like him on camera there with Harry and, and sort of the relationship there. And, and, and I think even the bit where he was asking there with part of the bus, if you guys are going to get some, some proper ballers to come on there as well, like it just, it just goes to show. And like even people are saying that, that I think Gary Neville was even saying a couple of days ago that of course like Man City bought bought Jack because he's, he's a fantastic player and he creates the most chances in, in the Premier yeah. League after Kevin De Bruyne but also you can't deny that sort of personality and, and that brand feel behind someone like him being being there as well and and I think uh, you guys definitely played play, play a little bit little bit of a role in that one as well haven't you? guy has like dedicated his whole life to football yeah <laughs> clearly an engaging character and then we'll just take some credit and go you know we were, <laughs> we were there but it was interesting with him because yeah. he was he he was having a really good season when yeah. we interviewed him um earlier in the year for villa yeah. he was getting a bit of negative press off the field for like some stuff but it was yeah. just at that point where his profile was rising it'd been in other content but i think our video Apart from, I was looking at it the other day, apart from when he got punched in the face by the Birmingham fan and then... Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Apart from that, I think we're, we've got one of the most viewed interviews with him. It's funny because it's just a Zoom, it's a Zoom call with Harry Pinheiro, but I think it's that uh, us clocking what probably a lot of other people were clocking, which was, he's, he's really funny, isn't he? He's, he is, there's he is. About, there's something about him that's, that's really, really likeable. And let's just focus the whole interview on that. And then it sort of coincides with his form getting better. Uh, he obviously goes to the Euros and, yeah, off the back of that, gets his city move. And we look, yeah, smart for having tapped yeah. into that. But I think, yeah. yeah, it's just one of those things, isn't it? I think if you've got the same attitude as, 
as myself and Adam, the head of content, and Craig and George, who work in the team, and then Josh and the guys at After Party. This is the kind of football fans we are, where we're like, we love the football, we love watching it, we just love the characters and going, oh, he, he's so funny, isn't he? He's so, yeah. There's something, like, he, he could be a YouTuber if he wasn't a footballer sort of thing. So yeah. that's what we want to go and capture. And I think there's just loads of other people out there that feel like that as well. So yeah. what actually is your thoughts on seeing like more players jumping into into the YouTube space? Obviously, obviously like Ben Foster's doing it and just smashing it with yeah. cycling, cycling goalkeeper and... Obviously, um, Mikel's doing it as well, and other players have sort of dabbled in it, like yeah. uh, Hector Bellerin as well. What's your thoughts yeah. on it? I think it, I think it's really great if they want to do if they want to do it yeah. because they get to showcase themselves, and then it sets that little bit of an example that you can do it. But I think, think what like, I was watching Ben Foster's yeah. podcast yesterday, yeah. and I thought it was really, he was interviewing, um, I think it was Theo Baker, and the way he was talking about. YouTube and everything. It's just so funny that he's yeah. interviewing YouTubers on his podcast, where it's like normally it's the other way around, where it's like yeah. YouTubers or media companies desperate to get hold of footballers and do the interviews, whereas this guy's flipping it on its head and like introducing yeah. YouTubers, maybe like another another audience that he builds because of the kind of character that he is. I think, and a lot of the stuff that he says on on that particular episode with Theo is like. A lot of these YouTube, a lot of these footballers, like the younger guys, have grown up watching the YouTubers. This was all the stuff that was in our sort of strategy document. All the stuff that you've seen with like Mason Mount and Chunks and Philly on Pro Direct, and like influencing celebrations. Declan Rice, obviously, yeah. you know, on his Instagram is like out in Ibiza with like Bazinga from the Sidemen and and Theo Baker. Like that whole mashing of those worlds is everything that we wanted to do. So it's great to see someone like Ben Foster, who's a little bit older, like immersing himself yeah. in that world. I think it's great. I think Jesse Lingard had a YouTube channel before, didn't he? And yeah. I just think like whatever's whatever's happened for him and sounds like I don't don't have a clue at all that he maybe had some some challenging things going on in, in his home life. But the the narrative around him I thought was so unfair. But it's really yeah, it's really it's really hard, isn't it? That balance between I guess them going, are you focusing on your football? And I guess their employers wanting them to be just totally dedicated to that and then having other interests in, um, in like other worlds. I don't know if you've come across, I can't even remember who it is, but there's that, that famous book about like, or, or theory about like being an elite performer and actually like people like Roger Federer yeah. Um, are indicative of people that do really well because they try lots of different things and lots of different sports and that can be really he healthy and <clears throat> he's obviously gone on and had an incredible career but that I'll dig out the book for you but it's like oh, cheers, comparing, him with, it's comparing him with Tiger Woods who was like completely focused on just on golf, just golf yeah. and maybe that losing the love for it whereas Federer has played on now into his 40s I think yeah it's probably had that bit more of a healthy relationship with interests and other things. So from, I'm not an elite athlete, so I don't know. And I'm not <laughs> circle. But if it seems healthy to, yeah. if you are interested in doing those things, do like exploring them and that just giving you a bit of a better balance of life. And then I don't see why it couldn't, if it's only a couple of hours out of your day or whatever, why that, that couldn't only benefit you as a, a player if you're in a better mindset, but equally, if you're not that sort of character, if you're not interested, it's fine not to, 
not to do it. And I empathise especially with the younger players who who maybe aren't as confident as someone like Ben Foster, who's coming to the end of his career, really knows himself as a person. Might be hard to put yourselves out there, which is where I think something like Um can come in and go, hey, here's what's great about you. Let's <laughs> try and really draw that out in a few videos, get people behind that and and get the ball rolling for you. That was always the vision for it, for people that either don't have the time, the infrastructure, or maybe the confidence to, to showcase that relatable side of themselves. But the guys that are doing it, it's, it's like, can't, can't turn away really, can you? The content's great and want to do stuff with Lingard, Antonio, Ben Foster, all, all those guys, because they're doing exactly what we want to do as well, as well. And the more people that are doing it, the better, really. It's just fun content, isn't it? So yeah. No, that's awesome, man. But yeah, it's now time to reveal your answers to uh, to what the foot are you lying for, man. Christian, I won't lie, I'm a little bit nervous, man, because last week I lost. So this week I have to, I have to claw it back. I've got to claw it back, man. <laughs> well, hope, hopefully, mate. I um, I think I've, I've stitched you up a bit as well, because as you said, the, the LinkedIn is maybe a, technical, <laughs> a technicality I'd overlooked. But in yeah. terms of fun social media accounts i don't have i don't have any and, and haven't for what 10 years 10 years now but like you said i don't think that's unique to to yeah. people in, in social, social media yeah. some people are confused confused by it. a couple of youtubers i know as well just like every time i speak to them they're like so you don't don't have instagram it's like mate we've been through this like three times not no i don't know what you don't have twitter like what's going on so yeah i don't have any any social accounts which can be a good and a bad thing in my in in my world i think it gives you a, a purity to when you come at things from to a focus yeah. yeah. and it, i think it's just healthier it can be healthier anyway for some people but yeah don't have any um i did work for a countess that was my my first job yeah um I worked for a lady that was um funding a lot of drug research and doing a lot of drug policy reform stuff around decriminalizing legalizing drugs so that was true as well and then the one that i lied about was the books i'm i'm absolutely awful at, at reading books and i'm sorry I, I i really should do more but um yeah girlfriend takes the piss out of me because i've got loads of, i buy loads of books got loads on the shelf and i read about 10 pages of them over and over again and I just never get through them so i apologize mate i've i've stitched up a little bit there with the social media one yeah that's all right because i was going to say the social media one was actually a lie but then link linkedin is fun linkedin is fun social to me like in my opinion like so i've given two lies and the truth so i've just mixed the whole format up mate. oh mate <laughs> i think we're the second who i'm trying to think who's the other guest that did that but someone else did the similar thing they gave me more or less effectively two two lies and one truth but listen i'll, I'll forget about it just in quick Quick fire questions. What is your all time favourite um episode? I like the Dean Henderson reacting to like internet saves, yeah. where he's re reacting to dad saving their kids from imminent danger. I think that was a fun one. Bit surprised that Dean Henderson was a, a comedy genius. No, no, that's brilliant. Your uh, your ultimate um five aside team guests and creators. I mean, Harry Pinheiro has been something. You can play. You can play as well, yeah. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen some clip, 
Since he's yeah. right. he, he thinks he's a bit of a Pogba, doesn't he? The number six on his back. Yeah, it's, it's funny. He calls himself Paul Scholes as well a lot. So I think you've got to put him in and he's been so influential to the the channel. In goal, I'll put um, our head of content, Adam Boltwood, who's a bit of... If you go on the YouTube channel, on the Peter Crouch episode, yeah. go into the comments, there's a few comments about Adam Boltwood. who's a bit of a cult hero on on YouTube because he's always been behind the scenes but a bit of a behind the scenes slash okay, character yeah. on, on channels like EXO, True Geordie's channel and, and now um so people know who he is so I've got to put him in goal and he hugged Cafu at the Wembley Wembley oh, Cup yes. when, we played, when we played at the Wembley Cup so put him in goal um, and then yeah five so well just ridiculous uh, we've been so lucky haven't we with players so I just yeah. put just put a bunch of um, you've got to have Grealish in there surely I mean, Grealish is ridiculous. Five-a-side as well, Five-a-side, yeah. he's built for five-a-side, isn't he, yeah. Grealish? Um, who else is... Who else? So I've got two more left. Let's You've think got... of the YouTuber. Yeah. I say Chunks. Chunks can, Chunks can play, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think he's got some iconic moments, isn't he, on the internet? And I think, yeah. like, so grateful that someone like him came on that part of the bus series and sort of set him up. And I think the weight loss that he's been through. Again, it's just yeah, like a really yeah. positive story, isn't it? And I, I love I love those content creators where it is just like really lacking in any controversy and it's just all about about putting a good, a good sort of energy out there. So I'll put, put chunks in. And then I'll, I'll actually just put, put it in. No, 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 I won't put myself <laughs> So I'll play, me and, me and Adam works on a, a channel called EXO and we were invited to the Wembley Cup one year. I'm not sure if oh, you know nice. about that. Hashtag you know. United, uh, their sort of Wembley thing where they get like about 20, 30,000 fans in the stadium. Uh, and me and Adam, despite having very few social media followers, just because we worked on the channel, managed to crowbar ourselves in there and probably ruin loads of kids' days going, who the fuck are these two kids on the, <laughs> on the pitch? Where's my favourite YouTubers? So I won't put myself on again. But I will put, um, I'll put another YouTuber in there. And just let Grealish sort of carry the carry, carry the team. Yeah. yeah. So I'll put um Nico Omolana in there. Nice, yeah, yeah. Who stepped into part of the bus late again, like honestly, it was supposed to be Chunks and Philly. And it was really embarrassing when he came because I actually think that Nico is one of the best content creators out there in terms of his yeah. storytelling and everything. I like really would have wanted to do something like completely if he was up for it, do something completely original for him with, with um and do some interesting storytelling. So to get him in as a last minute sort of sub was a bit embarrassing for us because he was sort of like, oh, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here because Philly's sick. Whereas actually, to me, is like, as someone that's had to study the space and learn about it for, for work, I'm like, that's my favourite favorite content creator. I think what he does is really interesting, very yeah. creative. So yeah. I'll, put, I'll put them as the team and, you know, um, you as coach, me as coach, or yeah, yeah me as coach, or maybe um, Carragher, or who else have I, who else have we had the ex pros? How's he not making the five aside? <laughs> let's just let Grealish carry a bunch of content creators. I reckon. I, I was even going to say that surely you've got to have Peter Crouch in there just for the robot. I mean, yeah, Peter yeah. Crouch. Peter Crouch, another one, like... That was awesome, when, one, yeah. Yeah, when you're just drawing up lists and, and Mason Mount as well. Mason Mount, Peter Crouch, from two different generations, sort of epitomise 
everything that we wanted um to be about with football yeah. and about the relatability and those two are really really likable so yeah mate terrible five-a-side team but i think um adam good fun. who does an incredible job would be very happy to get himself in a in another game no definitely man but yeah we like to end the show with the what the footy question which is what the footy needs to change or happen within your space so yeah my so my space is obviously like sort of youtube or digital publishing i yeah. think I'm not sure really because I think it's a pretty good time. I think, think like we were saying earlier, like things have changed a lot, and I think a lot of the big broadcasters have have now cottoned on and and moved into like hiring people from a lot of these sort of production companies and social media projects into their organisations and getting yeah. them to to produce stuff. So I think on that front, I think they've cottoned on. I think the thing that that we can all do better is around like the negativity and the abuse and and everything like that and controversy gets clicks and it's quite hard to to just keep putting out positive positive content when you're competing against mm-hmm. so much outrage so the more that that publishers can do that i think the be- the better when it's not toxic i think also just around the professionalization of it because we're all obviously small companies learning as we go and and often uh, uh, as you're independent, you haven't got as much finance. But the more money I think that can be put into like moderations or community guidelines, what isn't isn't acceptable. So we're all like a little more informed, myself included, on what constitutes like offensive content and what might alienate people. Just so you know, like the right steps to to sort of create a positive community create a positive community around your content and, and get people interacting in the right way. A bit more guidelines and structure around that, I think, would be would be a good step, something that, that I'd, li- I'd like to see happen. No, definitely. And uh, any any um exclusives before before we close, close things up? Anything we should be watching out for or sort of looking out for? Or I mean, yeah, some stuff. The guys are travelling up to Manchester um, today to one of the clubs and and Harry Pinheiro is very, very, very happy and excited about who we're going up to see. So obviously you never know what's going to happen if the camera doesn't, if someone forgets to hit record or whatever. So I won't, I won't say more than that, but travelling up to Manchester so in the next week or so, I think we should see some, something pretty exciting that Harry Pinheiro is going to be particularly excited about. No, brilliant Christian. Christian Hurley, the man behind... Um creative strategist and overall genius thank you for coming on the what the footy podcast appreciate your time and uh pleasure as always man no worries mate the one the one that post rationalizes all the clever people in the team rather than the (laughs) the one person behind it but yeah thank you so much mate really enjoyed it no that's brilliant cheers thank you man what the footy what the footy what the footy what the footy Knew some other guys liked me, but I didn't know it was to that extent. Imagine being a kid in primary school, now supporting Arsenal. Powerful people, and I think they need to recognise that, but then also they need to be represented the right way. Sport in general is nothing without fans. Uh, Based on one single source of revenue alone, that being the TV. Let's just win this to appease the fans.